Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. Hurricane Harvey is one of the costliest tropical cyclones on record, even though it stalled out for days over a small area. However, that area was the fourth largest city in the United States, Houston, Texas. Communities and government agencies had to come together to mitigate Harvey's unrelenting rainfall that was nearly five feet in some areas. Today, we have Jeff Linder, nicknamed the hero of Harvey, who worked tirelessly as a meteorologist for the Harris County Flood Control District. We'll ask him about his experience living and working in Houston during Harvey and what the city has done since to prevent another flooding catastrophe. Jeff, thank you for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, I think you became a household name, unfortunately, for many people because of a tragic event. But uh, many of us that were watching from afar really appreciated your role and work during Hurricane Harvey. So on behalf of the meteorology community uh, and as a former president of the American Meteorological Society, first of all, I just want to thank you uh, for for the work that you did during that time and, and that you continue to do. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Now, Jeff is with the Harris County Flood Control District. He's been a meteorologist there since 2003. He's the director of flood operations. He has a bachelor's of science in meteorology from Texas A&M University, a very well-known atmospheric sciences program. Um, Has May 2nd in Houston named after him. He actually has a day, May 2nd which was actually my wedding anniversary day, is Jeff Linder Day in Houston. Now, that's a pretty big deal. We're going to talk all about it. We're going to talk about Harvey and what's happened since. But Jeff, it's become a tradition here at Weather Geeks. Before we get into all of that, I I like to just know how my guests got into the field of meteorology. Is this something you've been interested in since you were a kid, or was there some experience? You know, it's a great question. Um, There's there's no one experience that I had that that really got me into meteorology. I've just always been in, interested in it, into it, um, and, and you kind of hear that from a lot of meteorologists out there, uh, that, that it's just a, a kind of a niche thing that, that they were always into um, going way back to when I was very young. And it's really been the only thing um, that I was interested in doing. You know, when I was when I was young, it was it was either uh, meteorology or a garbage man because riding on the back of a garbage truck is was cool back then um, when you're young. So uh, those were those were the two options, I guess, um, that I, I was looking at a long time ago. And so, um, but it, it you know meteorology is is one of those kind of careers where. Uh, you, you have that passion for it. You have that interest in it to um, to to learn about the weather, to understand the weather, and then probably most importantly to be able to communicate um, the impacts of weather. Um, and, and that's kind of you know a big key, especially nowadays. 
I, yeah, I agree. And I think your story is so consistent with many other colleagues that I talk to in terms of the passion. I mean, I, I hear passion a lot when I talk to meteorologists. I mean, I, I, I know I'm this way, but I, I never get up dreading to go to work. I mean, I just love what I do. I, I'd be doing it whether I was getting paid for it or not. I mean, I just, if there's a storm or if there's a hurricane or there's active weather, I'm just always attentive to it. And I suspect you are the same. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the, you know, the, 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 the excitement we get, um, is that every day is, is somewhat different. So, um, you know, some folks go to work and they do the same thing every day. And, and when I go to work, uh, it, it may be the same for a couple of days, but I know that's going to change. You know, if it's if it's in the middle of summer and it's hot and dry for four days, five days, I know a few days out we're probably going to get some thunderstorms or something might happen in the tropics or there's always something going on with the weather and at, at some point whatever pattern you're in is going to to change and you're going to get uh, something different. And so, of course, you know, I think most meteorologists look at um, – you know the the high impact type weather events. Um, you know it, 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 it's it's hard to call it exciting when you know um, you know people's lives are being impacted and, and damage is happening and, and all that kind of stuff. But from from a weather aspect of it, uh, the the amazing nature that is weather. Um, and, and what weather is is kind of capable of doing. And, and there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot that goes on to meteorology. It's not just the forecasting. It's not just, you know, uh, explaining the impacts, but it's also, you know, the education part um, that trying to educate, uh, you know, people that are not into this day to day of what some of the terms we use mean and, and what some of the forecasts we use, um, what that means and, and what that means to them at their house or at their, at their place of business. And that's so important. And I think, you know, that's a, that's a big way that meteorology has been moving in the last, um, you know, five, 10 years or so, especially with, with social media where we, we, it kind of gives each meteorologist a platform, if you will, uh, versus just tuning in at six o'clock each evening, you know, 20 years ago. Well, and, and I want to kind of pivot there a little bit, but something you just said uh, prompted a question because you, you were talking to Jeff Linder, Harris County Flood Control District meteorologist, and he was at the epicenter of the, the flooding associated with Hurricane Harvey and probably many other events that we didn't hear about, but he's still working those as well. You mentioned social media. Did you find during Harvey and during your your time there that did you find social media to be a help or a hindrance to you in terms of your own messaging? So I, I got on social media, specifically Twitter, back in in June of 2015, um, and I, I kind of got pulled into it, kicking and screaming. I, I wasn't, uh, you know, a, a fan of it at the time. Um, and it was a uh, tropical storm bill, which made landfall in Texas back in June of, of 2015 that kind of propelled me into it. And, and I, even with bill, I didn't necessarily see the, um, the, uh, advantages of social media, if you will. But I will say after, after Harvey, um, social media is very, um, good, uh, when it comes to disaster information, especially in my opinion, Twitter, um, Facebook is, I think, really good for the the days leading up to the storm. Um, you know, there's a storm out there. 
get your kits ready, get your plans ready, know if you're in an evacuation area. And, and that's I'm saying that mainly because people don't necessarily um, you know, look at Facebook all the time, and there's somewhat of a lag time sometimes um, between when people look at it and when they see the message and when you post it. But Twitter moves very quickly, and so it it moves very in a disaster. Especially, uh, your message gets buried very quickly. But it's it's very good at getting that critical information across because you have a limited amount of of space and characters, and so you have to get to the point and get that message across. And I think it it works very well um, in a in a in a very big disaster situation. Um, you know, it, it, it creates for us who have been doing our jobs before we had social media and now we have social media, um, you, we, we still have to complete that same job we did before we had social media. And so there's still the traditional media aspect um, and a lot of people tune to traditional media in a disaster, um, especially if they have power. Um, and so there, there's still that aspect. And so the social media part that's that's you know, relatively new, um, is something that has to be done, but it's also something that, that requires a, a workload. Um, and it's interesting because you still have to accomplish the task and that job that, that you had to do before you had the workload of social media. And, and, you know, the direct question about how, how did it affect me during Harvey and, you know, thinking back to that, um, I think it was very good at getting, I was very, uh, we were able to get that information out that needed. It was, it was a place that we could address some rumors, um, that we were hearing, um, just simply by, you know, uh, capturing a tweet and, and retweeting and, and responding to a tweet or, or answering a question to a tweet that a lot of people had the same question. Um, it's very interesting that it kind of gives you that one-to-one communication. So, you know, I can directly communicate to somebody sitting at home. Uh, I don't have to go down in front of the TV cameras to do it. I can, I can do it from anywhere and directly talk to you, um, at your house. Um, one thing I will say in a, in a big disaster like Harvey or, or Michael or, or Irma, um, it can be overwhelming. And that's just simply because of the magnitude of, of questions you get, of, of responses you get. And so, uh, you know, you, you have to kind of reserve yourself that you're not going to be able to answer all the questions. You're not going to be able to, um, respond to everybody's, uh, questions or concerns or everything. And, and, and you just have to make sure that you're getting out the message and the appropriate information that you need to get out. We're talking with Jeff Linder of the Harris County Flood Control District. He's a meteorologist there. Uh, people in Houston call him the her- hero of Harvey. Before we talk, Harvey, I want to read a quote from a 1920s Texas meteorology, fairly famous quote. You probably have heard it. It says, Texas is a state in perpetual drought that is occasionally interrupted by a, cat- a catastrophic flood. First of all, is there any truth to that quote? And what's your reaction to it as someone that's lived there most of your life? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Texas is, is uh, you know, we're very dry in the western part of the state. So you get out El Paso, Midland, Odessa, uh, that area, and, and you're very much like the desert southwest out there. And then over here in the far eastern part of the state, Houston, Beaumont, you know, we get uh, 50, 60 inches of rain uh, any given year here. And so we have a, a very wide uh, gradient, if you will, of 
precipitation across our state and 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 drought is is definitely one of those things we we hear a lot about the flooding in Texas um, and we get these you know flash floods out in the hill country and what we call flash flood alley along that I-35 corridor from Dallas down to San Antonio Austin um, and you know those are those life-threatening walls of water that can come down the creeks and the rivers um, and then we we have the flooding over here in southeast Texas that's a little bit slower rising still can be very devastating here in this part of the state um, but because we don't have a lot of topography here, it's it's much more slower and it's a lot more ponding. The water just wants to sit where it falls. Um, but, you know, that quote is absolutely right. We've had, um, you know, droughts uh, throughout uh, the history of, of, of this state. And, and those droughts typically end in a flood here. Um, and, um, you know, there, there's certainly back in 1998... Uh, we we had a very significant drought back out in south central southwest Texas, and it was ended by a tropical storm, Tropical Storm Charlie, uh, back in 1998 that made landfall and moved uh, around the Corpus area and then moved up through the Rio Grande Valley and produced devastating flooding in the Del Rio area. And so a lot of our drought happens, uh, you know, late spring, summer, and tends to be ended by the landfall of some sort of tropical system. Uh, you know, here in August or September in Texas. And so, um, interestingly enough, a lot of our rainfall actually comes from tropical systems that make landfall in the state. And so this time of year, uh, we're definitely looking at the Gulf of Mexico, be it be it a tropical wave that can come in and, and give us rain um, to help alleviate some of the, the dryness that develops here in our hot summers, uh, or worse, a, you know, a tropical storm or even potentially a hurricane. Um, and so if you ask a lot of the, the agriculture people here, the, the farmers and stuff, they actually start looking for that relief coming from the Gulf of Mexico this time of year, hopefully more in the form of like a tropical wave um, than, a, than a big hurricane. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm talking with Jeff Lindner of the Harris County Flood Control District. And we're talking about Jeff Linder's role in Harvey, but I'm in the pre-Harvey phase right now, so I'm just kind of building up to a deeper discussion about Harvey. Uh, now, you work for the Harris County Flood Control Dis- District. What does that district, I don't think every place has a flood control district, district, so what does it do, and what is your day-to-day work there as a meteorologist? Yeah, so the, the flood control district... Um you know, probably not the best name. It's very difficult to control flooding. And so, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, we, we look at other areas of the country. They have drainage district, water management districts, and, and we're very similar to to those types of districts. Um, you know, South Florida has a, a very uh, robust water management system down there. Uh, and so we do similar stuff to, uh, to that. And our, our main goal here at the Flood Control District is to devise and implement uh, flood damage reduction projects for Harris County. And of course, the city of Houston sits within in Harris County. And so that is our main mission and our main goal. 
Um, and so that includes, you know, building uh, and deepening the the natural bayous and channels that we were given. We have 22 uh, watersheds that drain this county. Um, and so we do work on them to help improve the flow of water um, through our system to Galveston Bay, uh, add stormwater detention basins. So these are basins, which are, are generally just a hole in the ground, a uh, very large hole in the ground that we dig to help store water when we get these really excessive rainfalls. And so we know we're not going to be able to push all that water through the creeks and the bayous. Um, and so we have to store it um, and then release it out or meter it out, if you will, at a slower rate. Um, you know, that's just because we get really, really intense rainfalls here on the Gulf Coast. And we're no different than Mobile or Tallahassee or Miami or New Orleans, uh, where you can get four or five, six inches of rain in an hour. And when you get that much rain in that short period of time, you just have to try to put the water uh, somewhere so that uh, you keep it out of the homes. Uh, another thing that, that we do is, um, and this is relatively new, the Flood Control District's been around since 1935 or 37, um, out of the devastating floods of the late 1920s uh, here in, in uh, Houston. Um, but another thing we do is is property acquisition and home buyout. And so this is is removing properties that are very deep in the floodplains that keep that have a continuous flooding problem. They flood time and time again. Um, and there's no real structural solution. We can't dig the dig the bayou deep enough or we can't put enough detention um, basins upstream to prevent these properties from flooding. Uh, and so we're going in there and, and we're purchasing those properties and, and they're not going to be built on ever again. They're going to go back to nature. Um, and so that's a lot of the, the kind of the floodplain management now that we're that we're doing here. We have um, just to give you some idea of the amount of population we have um, in our floodplains. We have about 250,000 homes in our 100 year floodplains in Harris County. So that's that's a lot of properties. Uh, wow. Wow. That, that that we have that that can potentially be flooded here uh, in Harris County, and so and so going and and looking at those um, you know areas, we have some properties in certain areas that are very deep that are that are in the floodway. I mean, they're they're built very very deep in in the channels, and um, you know you, you kind of have well, how did that happen? Well, a lot of this was developed back in the the forties and the fifties and the sixties. And the first floodplain map for this county came out in 1981. And so a, a lot of what happened, especially in the older sections of the city and the county, happened before we had really good ideas of where flooding and where the water was, was going to be and going to go. It was kind of a historic, if you've lived here for a long time, you knew, oh, well, that area over there flooded. And as the city and the county developed outward from from downtown Houston, the Houston Ship Channel area, Buffalo Bayou, as it developed outward, um, you know, some some bad decisions were made here and there uh, by putting subdivisions in places that they really shouldn't have gone. And so now we're having to come back uh, decades later and either try to raise a lot of those homes in the air or in some cases buy those areas out um, and let them go back to nature. And so... You know, we have we have lots of projects, and, and my day-to-day really is not uh, any of that part of the, the Flood Control District, the engineering and the and the development, construction of the projects. Mine is uh, the weather part, so I'm always keeping an eye on things, making sure that uh, there, there's nothing significant heading in our direction, because if it is, that's when I start to work with our emergency, our local emergency officials, um, local elected officials on 
this is what could potentially be coming um, so we can start making decisions and, and that type of stuff. Um, but my real day to day is is running the elaborate and very complex uh, system of gauges that we have across Harris and surrounding counties to monitor our uh, rainfall and, and stream elevations. And so we have about 250 of these gauges out across the area now that uh, my group is responsible for maintaining. Um, we've added about 60 or so of those since just since Harvey. So coming up on the two-year anniversary of Harvey just in the last two years. And so there's a lot that goes into that. Uh, we, we operate a public-facing website so that information can get out to everybody. And so um, there, that's, that takes a lot of, of the day-to-day effort. And then one of the biggest things that we've been working on for a long time at the Flood Control District, and I can finally see that, that light at the end of the tunnel with it, is a is a full fledged uh, floor, flood forecasting operation, and that is forecasting flooding in the future on each one of our 22 watersheds in this county, and at about 170 or so of those gauge points we just talked about. So, you know what the National Weather Service does, uh, the River Forecast Centers do on a on a nationwide basis at their river forecast points. Uh, we're going to be doing that in Harris County for each one of our gauge points, and we hope to have that. Uh, online here sometime in 2020, and, and that's a that's a huge step for us because um, historically it's always been well this is where it's flooding now, but I'm, we're we're not very good at saying where it's going to be flooding in the future, and that will that will really help with that question of in six or 12 hours we think it's going to be flooding over here. Now I want to jump in on that because are you are you that, that is kind of game changer for a, the sort of a regional or sort of local operation are, are you using hydrological modeling in terms of that forecasting? Absolutely. Yeah, we're using the uh, the HEC RTS system which is a Corps of Engineers uh, system and we're and we're plugging in uh, the various rainfall inputs. So gauge adjusted radar rainfall is going into that. We're using our just our complete standalone gauge rainfall so we call it gauge and terp um and then we're also looking at uh and then we take that the, that rainfall input we carve out the various basins and sub basins of the watersheds input that in there and then run it through our our HECRAS models um and and it produces a uh, a stage hydrograph or a forecast, if you will, of, of what could be happening at the at the gauge sites. And so right now um, we have about half of those watersheds done. Uh, we expect to have the, the rest of them done by uh, late spring of 2020. And the, the big difference between what we need in Harris County and say what you need on, oh, I don't know, the Brazos River, the Mississippi River, for example, is our lead times are very short in Harris County. So in, in 15 or 30 minutes, we can have significant rises on our creeks and bayous versus on a big river system. You know, you might be talking an inch or so over a long period of time um, because the, the, the water coming down and the size of the basin is so big. And so uh, that is why we, we started to develop this in-house system um, because the, the River Forecast Center, their smallest time steps was about a three-hour time step. And so in three hours, a lot could happen here in Harris County. And so that's why we started developing this. And we have a fairly good feeling we can probably run this entire system for our, all of our watersheds, all of our points uh, in about 15 minutes. Now, we haven't tried it um, yet, um, but even if it's 30 minutes, it's still, it's still a, a huge step forward. And then the, the question I think we still have that's outstanding is how do we then take that forecast information and make it publicly available? 
Um, what does that look like? Um, is it a hydrograph? Um, is it a forecast inundation map? Um, because a lot of a lot of uh, the the kind of technical aspects of forecasting are becoming more graphics and maps. And so I think it, you know the the hydrograph. Some of us understand that, but I think a lot of people understand if this area is colored, that's where we're ex- that's where we're expecting the water to be um, in a certain time in the, in the future. And so um, we're still working on that aspect of it. We're gonna we're gonna see how good we are. Um, you know, the goal of the project was to be, to be plus or minus three feet, um, which in Harris County is not that great because we're relatively flat. So three feet could be a lot of land being inundated. Um, but the the initial results of, of what we've been working on is showing um, that we're most most of the time within about a foot or so of the peak. So we're, we're excited about that, and I think it's going to be you know some cutting edge stuff here for for Harris County. Yeah, it's really impressive what you're doing on that scale. Now you were uh, you you got there in 2003, so that was. After Allison, uh, which was a sort of historic flooding event, a tropical storm, by the way, and before Harvey. Um, so were there things, I mean, you just talked about some of the things that are going on there. We're going to get into the sort of Harvey, post-Harvey in, in a moment. But when you arrived there to the point just up to Harvey, so what was the state of flood preparation from your lens there in Houston or in the flood district, control district at that point between Allison and Harvey? Yeah, so I've I've lived here all my life. So I, I did go through Allison. I wasn't uh, at the flood control district. I was actually an intern at one of our local TV stations um, during Allison, and that TV station actually flooded uh, during Allison. And so that kind of propelled my uh, interest, not so much in the flooding aspect, but I was, you know, we talked about this gauge network, and that gauge network was in place. Uh, back for Allison and and the the uh, the on camera meteorologist that I was with the evening of Allison and I were looking at that data and and you know we were like some of this isn't making sense and everything like that and so um, that's why I went to the the flood control we set up a meeting with the flood control district and and uh, the flood control district said you know what we'll bring you on as an intern and uh, you know you can work on getting all this fixed and and uh, all the information correct on there and so that started in uh, two thousand and three. Um, and then my job just kind of morphed over time and into what it's morphed into. And, you know, I think if you look back at Allison, um, you know, all of us, including myself, um, could not have imagined a storm worse than Allison when Allison happened. I mean, Allison was our benchmark flood and and flooding is, is, is our disaster here. You know, we, we've had horrible floods, you know, going back in our history, all the way back into the 1800s. Um, you know, really big flood in October 1994, which was which was not a, a tropical system. Um, and, and then we had Allison and Allison was just a, a whole new kind of level of of uh, of damage. We had 73,000 homes flood uh, just in Harris County with Allison, um, the costliest tropical storm in American history. Um, and then and then we certainly had floods. Um, between Allison and, and Harvey and, and hurricanes, we had Ike back in, in 2008, not a, a huge rainfall flood event for us. We certainly had flooding, um, much more of a storm surge event down along the coast. And and uh, I think people sometimes forget um, that we are very prone to storm surge here and, and it can be very damaging to us. Um, but a lot was done between 
between Allison and Harvey. The first thing after Allison was a remapping of the floodplains uh, across Harris County. So, you know, one thing we hear so much about floodplains, and, and one thing we have to remember about floodplains is, is there a flood rate insurance map? They, they just determine how much you're going to pay for your flood insurance. So you're gonna if you're in a floodplain, you're gonna pay more for flood insurance. If you're outside of it, you're you're not gonna pay as much. Um, and and the other thing to keep in mind is a floodplain is a living document. They change over time. Um, you know if if you have uh, changes in the watershed, the bayous are made bigger, the tension is added, those floodplains shrink. Um, if you add more rainfall to them, like we just saw with No Atlas 14 here in Texas, those floodplains potentially get bigger. And so um, the, the, the first major step that was done after Allison was to remap all the floodplains in Harris County. And, and it was the first time floodplains had ever been mapped using LIDAR. And that's when an aircraft flies and maps the ground elevations. And so historically, you used to have to go out there with the survey crew and cut these cross sections across the streams and and survey it and come up with the floodplains that way. And so you can obviously see how they might not be as accurate as when you're flying an aircraft giving you one foot elevation data across the entire county. And so that was the big thing. And those new floodplain maps came out in 2007, which are still to this date our current floodplain maps um so that was a big thing that came out of allison another another thing that came out of allison was the um acceleration of some of the federal projects so these are the projects that are led by the corps of engineers in our area to help get funding from congress to help build these federal projects and complete these federal projects um and so we've seen some of that done in harris county um but again i i think from you know, speaking for most of us in this region, like I said, uh, we never thought we would see a storm flood anyways, uh, worse than Allison. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast, and I'm talking with Jeff Lindner of the Harris County Flood Control District, and he's a meteorologist. And we are now at a point where I really want to dive into Harvey. I mean, we all know the story of Harvey. You, you mentioned that your area of Texas gets 50-ish or so inches of rainfall in a year, and Harvey almost gave you that, or in some cases nearly gave you that in a few days. Now, you mentioned that the, your area is accustomed to flooding, I and mean, I think that was a big challenge because people aren't used to flooding in Houston and that part of southeast Texas. But two questions here. Why do you think it is that Houston does flood so much. I mean, I think you you sit on sort of some very wet, marshy land. And there's a lot of uh, urban impervious growth uh, there and some other things. And then you get the tropical moisture and you get the hurricanes and the tropical systems. So it's a really flood prone area. So I'm interested in your thoughts on that. And then I'm interested in your own personal experience riding out the storm with your family and as a communicator and forecaster. So, yeah, let's take the first one and, and what makes us so flood prone here in, in Southeast Texas, uh, Houston, Galveston area. And, and 
you know, the two big ones are two things that we really can't do anything about. First is our geography. Um, we're relatively flat. Uh, we are above sea level, so we're not we're not New Orleans where they're below sea level, but we, we, we're very flat. And so we have about a, a foot uh, per mile of elevation rise from Galveston Bay up to the far northwest part of Harris County. And so when, when it rains, the water doesn't want to run off. It, it wants to sit where it falls because there's not that, that grade or, or terrain here to try to move the water quickly away like you have in, in say, central Texas or in the Appalachians on the East Coast. Um, and so the water doesn't want to run off. It, it wants to sit. Uh, so we have that. We also have uh, uh, clay soils. And so um, especially once you get inland 20 or 30 miles from the coast, you got these clay soils, and, and once once those clay soils become saturated, and generally speaking, about uh, an inch or two of rain, and they're saturated, uh, pretty much everything after that runs off, and so you don't get any more infiltration into the soil uh, of the rainfall. And the other thing we can't change is is our climate. Uh, we sit along the Gulf Coast. Uh, we have these really tropical air masses uh, down here in in our warm season. So from about late mid late March through about uh, late October. Um, you know, we can really produce some intense rainfall rates in a short period of time. And so it, it's nothing for us here to see an inch of rain in 15 minutes, uh, four or five inches, even six inches of rain in an hour. Um, and in some cases, eight or nine, 10 inches of rain in a couple of hours. And so it's just a, a volume of water in a short period of time that really anywhere is going to struggle to try to uh, pass that volume of water through a drainage system and not have some degree of flooding. And so, you know, we're really no different when it comes to any other place along the Gulf Coast um, with the type of rainfall we get here. And of course, as you mentioned, we are certainly uh, threatened with tropical storms and hurricanes, and, and they, you know, tend to produce some of these bigger rainfall totals uh, that we see and some of those heavier rainfall rates over a concentrated area. And then they tend to extend those rates out uh, over a longer period of time. So you start adding adding that up over time and you get these, you know, big one, two, three feet of rain. Um, and we've certainly seen it here before. We had Tropical Storm Claudette here back in 1979, produced 43 inches of rain in 24 hours in Alvin, Texas, uh, just south of Houston, between Houston and, say, Galveston. Um, so 43 inches of rain in, in 24 hours, that's, that's pretty much everything we saw with Harvey in one day. But the, the difference between Claudette 79 and Harvey 17 uh, was Claudette in 1979 had that amount of rain over a very small area. It was relatively, uh, you know, a 5 by 5 or 10 mile, 10, 10 mile by 10 mile wide area of Missouri County south of Houston. Um, Harvey produced 36 inches of rain over 10,000 square miles. So just a massive volume of water over a huge fa- uh, spatial uh, footprint. And, and, and that's what really sets Harvey aside from really anything we've ever faced here, including Allison, um, was just the, the magnitude of the, of the rain and the, the magnitude of the water over such a huge geographical footprint. Um, so let's, let's talk about, I guess, Harvey for, for a minute. Yeah, uh, what, was your, what was your sort of, I mean, because you were living it as a communicator and messenger, but I mean, you have family, you were living it personally too. Absolutely. And, and I think that's, that's, that's something that any, any meteorologist who, who works at a TV station or, or anywhere uh, that goes through, uh, you know, one of, one of these big events uh, faces is, is you have your professional job to complete and you also have your personal 
uh, in your family to deal with at the same time. And so, you know, when we were looking at Harvey, Harvey's coming off uh, the Yucatan as a wave, expected to develop in the Gulf of Mexico. You know, we weren't uh, overly concerned about it. The forecasts were for, were for rain here uh, in southeast Texas. And then, as, as you know, that those forecasts continue to grow with more rainfall and more rainfall to the point where you're getting to levels, you're talking 30, 40, 50 inches. Um, and, you know, I'm sitting here asking myself, can that even happen? You know, when you're seeing the H-Wharf model spit out 65 inches of rain, can that even happen? Um, because it's very hard to try to wrap your head around something that you haven't experienced uh, before. And, and, you know, even our worst rain events we've had here, uh, we're talking about, you know, 25, 30 inches of rain maximum, maybe 40 in a very isolated case. And, and so to exceed that over such a big area... Uh, I think we all struggle to wrap our head around it. And then the next question is, how do you try to communicate that? How do you try to communicate something that no one has experienced? You know, what does four feet of rain look like to the person sitting at home? Um, you know, is it two Tropical Storm Allison's? Well, if you use that, you know, Tropical Storm Allison in this part of the county means something completely different than Tropical Storm Allison in another part of the county. And so, you know, there's always been this kind of going back and forth in the weather community about do you do you use previous events to try to explain a, a future event? And sometimes it can be helpful, but but, you know, sometimes it can it can get you into trouble. Um, and, and so we were very careful not to use Allison because um, this was going to be so much potentially so much bigger than Allison. So we had that communication aspect of it. And on Thursday night, uh, Harvey made landfall Friday evening, late in the evening, about 10 o'clock in the evening, uh, down at Rockport and Port Aransas, which is, oh, about 200, eh, about 180 miles southwest of Houston. Um, and so Thursday night was the last night I went home. I talked to my wife. I have uh, uh, two kids. Um, and their, their school was going to be closed on that Friday. Uh, most schools were closed on that Friday. And I said, look, um, you know, I'm still not a hundred percent convinced this is going to be quite that bad, um, as the models are spitting out. Um, so here's the deal. Why don't you take the kids Friday morning, you go ahead and go up. My, uh, parents have a place up in Smithville, Texas, which is up close to Austin. You go up there for the weekend um, if it, if it all turns out, okay, you can come back Sunday and, and, you know, everything's fine. Um, of course it wasn't. Um, and so that's the last time I was home. Um, wow. Thursday evening until the Saturday after. And so, uh, I guess an entire, I don't know, eight days it was. Yeah. And, and people were, and I know people were Houstonians during your time there just to kind of emphasize just how much you were not at home. People were raising money through a GoFundMe and donating money to flood victims and Harvey. And they were raising money for you to take a vacation. I mean, I mean, so I think they appreciated just what you gave to the city and gave to the community in that regard. But from your perspective, you were just kind of engaged in doing your job, right? Absolutely. And, you know, when I when I when I think back of it, the the uh, Saturday night uh, late. Uh, so it was about nine o'clock or so Saturday evening. And we had been seeing these and I'd been talking with our local weather service office and and they were very concerned that the one of our, our better models, the the her kept forecasting this band of, you know, 15 to 20 inches overnight across Harris County. And of course, again, you have a mesoscale model forecasting an obscene amount of rainfall 
um, and you kind of you kind of question it. And um, when that when that started to verify on Saturday evening, uh, it was just kind of this this sinking feeling that man, this this looks like it's it, it is going to to really happen to really verify. Um, and it was about uh, one o'clock Sunday morning when I when I realized this is this is probably going to end up being worse than than Allison because we were starting to see water levels in some of our creeks and bayous that were reaching Allison levels. And we were still and 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 still forecasting another twenty inches of rain on top of already record flooding levels, and and I think that's that that realization that we are now facing something that's completely unprecedented for us. Um, and then it by by four or five o'clock Sunday morning, we also faced um, the unprecedented fact that. For the first time ever, people may drown in their homes here in Harris County. And we, we don't typically have those problems because our land is so flat here, the water spreads out. It doesn't tend to get very deep uh, vertically. But it was raining so hard down in the southeast part of the county, around Hobby Airport, if anyone's come into Hobby Airport, um, that the water was just coming up above the ground almost to the rooftops of homes. It wasn't necessarily from a creek or a bayou. It was just the water was falling from the sky so hard, so fast. It was coming up neck deep in homes. This is why as meteorologists, for as you're listening to Jeff Linder talk about Harvey and just that's amazing. I mean, I don't know if you really can appreciate what he just said and how amazing that is that you had water rising up to the level of people's homes and their rooftops because of what was falling from the sky, not because it was near a creek or, or a body of water or because a levee broke or was breached. It was because of the rain rates, how the intensity of the rain rates that that to me is still one of the most stunning things. And something else you said, Jeff, that I just really want to kind of call out. I think people in Houston are familiar with floods and I think people are familiar with the heavy rain rates there. But you said something that was important. This was just an unprecedented event. And one of the things we as the public have to understand is that you aren't prepared for an unprecedented or an anomalous event. You haven't lived through that. And, I, you, you know, from a messaging standpoint, you often hear people say that, oh, I've been through floods before. I've been through hurricanes before. You haven't been through that, though. That's an anomaly event. So that's that's still one of our challenges. We are we are running a little short on time, but I want to get a few more questions in because it's just a fascinating discussion. I mean, what has the, the flood district done? You talked about in the midst of Allison, between Allison and Harvey, but what, what changes have happened since Harvey? I mean, you talked about some of the buyback programs, but I know there are efforts to build large diameter tunnels underneath the city to drain stormwater. Uh, you mentioned some of the changes to the website to get information out there. What, what are some of the things that are happening since Harvey to try to prevent disasters like this in the future? I'll just put it out there, you know, up front with, with that question is, is we will, we will never be able to prevent a Harvey. And so, yes. you know, and, and I think most people will understand that when you get 40, 50, 60 inches of rain, you're going to, you're going to have flooding. And so, you know, we, we start looking at our more common type floods here, you know, the, the six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 inches of rain that, you know, those are the types of rains we get pretty often around here. And what can we do um, to help reduce the flooding from those types of rainfalls? And so, you know, some very strong stuff has been done since Harvey, probably uh, some of the most stringent regulations anywhere in the nation. Um, if you build now in unincorporated Harris County and the city of Houston, you have to build your house two feet above the 500-year floodplain. 
Um, before Harvey, you had to build your house 18 inches above the 100-year. And so that's a that's a significant increase in, in the elevating of, of homes in our area uh, for new construction. Um, the other thing is we have adopted NOAA Atlas 14. So this is the new rainfall uh, standards for the state of Texas that came out after Harvey. Um, and so this increases our 100-year, our uh, 1% annual uh, storm rainfall uh, for Harris County from about 12 and a half inches in a 24-hour period up to around 18 inches in a 24-hour period. And so uh, with that, as we talked about earlier about the floodplains, we will be remapping the floodplains um, with that new NOAA Atlas uh, 14 data. And those floodplains should be uh, preliminary, preliminarily out to FEMA in 2021 and then hopefully out uh, to everybody by 2022 or 2023. And so we'll have, you know, the most up-to-date uh, uh, floodplains um, for that. Um, you know, and then the, the other thing is we're looking at pretty much everything is on the table after Harvey. And, and, and one thing I will say is, is Harvey, as most big disasters do, Harvey changed something in the – in the mindset of this region and really not since 1900 in Galveston where they raised an entire city has, has this region felt such a strong uh, commitment to do something about an issue it faces. And, and we see the results of Galveston and, and how that, that resolve back then saving that city, raising that city has protected it and, and, and uh, prevented damage and, and fatalities there for, for now going on over 100 years. And so we're, we're sort of facing the same thing here in Houston of how do we deal with our flooding issues? And some of that is learning how to live with flooding because, like I've said throughout this whole thing, we're, we're never going to be able to eliminate it. So we have to learn how to build better, stronger, uh, more resilient and learn how to live with our floodplains. Um, and so that's part of it. And then, of course, there's the engineering side of it, tunnels. We're doing a feasibility study right now to see if it's even feasible to put in a tunnel, say, 40, 40 feet by 40 feet. So this is a, a massive tunnel underground. Um, you know, one of the problems we face here is, is our water table's uh, relatively shallow, so we're, we're close to the coast. Um, and so you'd have to put pumps on it and, and pump, pump the tunnels dry and be able to maintain them. And so there's some challenges with that. Uh, of course, there's a, there's a funding aspect of that, too, um, that you would have to look at. Um, you know, what do you do with the flood control reservoirs in the western part of Harris County? There's, there's a study going on by the Corps of Engineers now to look at those. Uh, dredging. Dredging has been a, a big thing on the uh, San Jacinto River uh, up in the Humble Kingwood area. That's in the far northeast part of the county. Um, and so you just you, you start looking at all this and all the federal projects to come in and bring federal funding in. Um, and it, it, it's, it's putting it all together. And, and one of the, the things that we don't talk a lot about, but Harvey really forced people to think about this, is the education about flooding and the, and the dangers we face when it comes to weather. And what I mean by that is people during Harvey were forced to learn the elevation of their home. Because when they were comparing it to some of the gauge data, they were like, what is the elevation of my home? Um, and so now a lot of people actually know the elevation of their home. They know what a flood pool means um, behind Attucks and Barker. They know where the watersheds are, how the water runs down the watersheds. Um, and so as bad as Harvey was for us, there were some good things that came out of it in an education standpoint 
of knowing the risk you face in this region. Um, and I, I think that's something that, that we have to try, especially as, as government and communicators, uh, try to continue to push forward, you know, when we're talking three or four years down the road and we haven't had a big flood here. How do you keep that momentum going? How do you keep those funding streams coming in to complete the projects? Um, because if you look back at Galveston, what if they would have stopped, you know, two or three years into raising that city? Um, what, what would it look like today? And so those are those are some of the fundamental questions I think we have uh, of of making this area more resilient. And that's exactly why we called this episode Making Houston Hurricane Stronger, because it really is about the fact that you're not going to stop nature and you're not going to stop these types of storms. And there are reasons why this area floods. But the notion of resiliency and sustainability and infrastructure is important. Jeff, where can people find you on social media or find out more information about the Harris County Flood District? Yeah, so we have a website, uh, Harris, our, uh, Harris County Flood Control District. You can type that into any search engine. It'll come up or hcfcd.org. Of course, uh, we the Flood Control District has a Twitter account. I have a Twitter account, Jeff Linder one uh, That's L-I-N-D-N-E-R-1, the number one. Um, and, you know, I post regularly kind of on, on Twitter um, when things are going on. Not just Houston. I'm kind of Houston, Southeast Tex- Texas-centric. But, you know, if something's going on that's – that's a uh, noteworthy in other places. I'll, I usually retweet or post about that too. And so, um, you know, and that, and that, and I think that's, that's kind of the, the, the kind of the theme uh, of like we've talked about with meteorology is, is that communication aspect and how do we communicate um, and at the same time educate. Last question for the burning weather geeks listeners. When were you able to finally get a vacation after Harvey? How long did it take? You know, uh, a lot of my vacations after Harvey were uh, conferences. So, you know, as, as you know, when you go through something like that, uh, you get invited to speak at all these places. And I was actually invited to go over to to uh, to Europe and speak in, in, uh, at a conference and in, in around the London area. So that was that was we turned that into a, my wife and I turned that into a, a part of a vacation. Um, but to be honest with you, uh, this this may was the first family vacation I took since Harvey went to Disney World. Wow, almost two years, but well-deserved, and certainly we understand why you were called the hero of Harvey. Jeff, thank you for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and uh, we would like for you to continue to listen to us. We're having a great time. We've got some great guests, and I, I'm learning a lot. I hope you are as well. Continue to subscribe, and we will see you next time on the Weather Geeks Podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.